listening to the voice of God. Um, first, I, I would thank I want to thanks to God the opportunity of being here, of um, the opportunity that has been provided to me to speak to you this morning. Um, it's a privilege to do so. Um, the this is a morning of first. First time, um, although, although throughout my life and, and career, I've been able to speak in English to different audiences, it's the first time I preach in English. So it's a first. Um, and no better place to do that than here, because I feel comfortable, I feel in family, and, and that's something that means a lot. Um, also for Gamal, to pray in a service that his father is delivering the message is a first. So that's another thing that uh, fills my heart. Um, next Tuesday, um, I've been celebrating that my 24th anniversary with Maida. And it's not the first, but I love her, I love her like the first year. Okay, so <laughs> amen for that. Um, and also, it's a first from us to you, our church, to let you know that this summer, Gamal and Ramis got baptized in their respective camp uh, in Puerto Rico. They had the opportunity to go to uh, the youth camps from the church in, during the summer, and they made the decision, and I'm so happy that they took that step, and I, we wanted to take this moment to let you know about that. There's something that has always been a challenge um, in my mind. And I know that many people share the same question. Um, how can I hear the voice of God? And that's another thing that ties the first to this. And is because my first uh, message, the first opportunity that I have to preach... I went through the same process, thinking on what the Lord wanted me to tell the, my, my friends, my family. And I went through the same process this time, and uh, I decided or thought that it was going to be the same sermon that I did. I don't know, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago. But it's the first sermon I preached in Spanish. I'm doing it now for you. Um, how do I know what message he wants me to deliver today? Um, how I'm, I am sure to understand what he wants for my life. How I am sure that I'm making the right decisions. How I understand and follow God's will if we all can come out of uh, today with a better understanding on how to listen to God's voice and his will for us, I think that we have accomplished a lot. There are two things that are similar but different, listening and hearing. If you have no uh, physical situations and 
is basically hearing the act of perceiving sounds through the ear is a physical ability. However, listening is something that you consciously choose to do. Listening is a skill. And that skill you either develop or you just um, stay at your basic level, if we want to call it that way. The, let me... Our scripture today, we're going to be looking at Elijah and, and, and his life and one event that ties into what we're trying to find. The, in 1 Kings 19 from 11 to 13, reads, uh, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12 reads, After the earthquake came a, uh, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? To understand a little bit better um, this, we I will try to we will try to on this, to, to to find out the conditions um, that Elijah was living through before that happened, and we can talk about it. But I found this uh, small video that I think can give you a better glimpse of um, what happened. King Ahab and his evil queen Jezebel have led Israel astray by worshipping other gods. The land is gripped by a terrible drought. While the prophets of God have been under siege by Jezebel's orders to kill them, the worship of Baal has flourished. Elijah, God's prophet, demands to see Ahab. Ahab went to meet Elijah, and when he saw him, Ahab shouted, There you are, the biggest troublemaker in Israel! Elijah answered, You're the troublemaker, not me. You and your family have disobeyed the Lord's commands by worshipping Baal. Call together everyone from Israel and have them meet me on Mount Carmel. Be sure to bring along the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Ahab got everyone together. Then they went to meet Elijah on Mount Carmel. Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you try to have things both ways? If the Lord is God, worship him. But if Baal is God, worship him. The people did not say a word. Then Elijah continued, I am the Lord's only prophet, but Baal has 450 prophets. Bring us two bulls. Baal's prophets can take one of them, kill it, and cut it into pieces. Then they can put the meat on the wood without lighting the fire. I will do the same thing with the other bull, and I won't light a fire under it either. 
The prophets of Baal will pray to their God, and I will pray to the Lord. The one who answers by starting the fire is God. That's a good idea, everyone agreed. Elijah said to Baal's prophets, There are more of you, so you go first. Pick out a bull and get it ready, but don't light the fire. Then pray to your God. They chose their bull. Then they got it ready and prayed to Baal all morning, asking him to start the fire. They danced around the altar and shouted, Answer us, Baal! But there was no answer. At noon, Elijah began making fun of them. Pray louder, he said. Baal must be a god. Maybe he's daydreaming or, or using the toilet or, or traveling somewhere. Or maybe he's asleep and you have to wake him up. The prophets kept shouting louder and louder and they cut themselves with swords and knives until they were bleeding. This was the way they worshipped and they kept it up all afternoon. But there was no answer of any kind. Elijah told everyone to gather around him while he repaired the Lord's altar. Then he used 12 stones to build an altar in honor of the Lord. Each stone stood for one of the tribes of Israel, which was the name the Lord had given to their ancestor Jacob. Elijah dug a ditch around the altar, large enough to hold about 13 quarts. He placed the wood on the altar. Then they cut the bull into pieces and laid the meat on the wood. He told the people, Fill four large jars with water and pour it over the meat and the wood. After they did this, he told them to do it two more times. They did exactly as he said, until finally the water ran down the altar and filled the ditch. When it was time for the evening sacrifice, Elijah prayed, Our Lord, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel. Now prove that you are the God of this nation and that I, your servant, have done this at your command. Please answer me so that these people will know that you are the Lord God and that you will turn their hearts back to you. The Lord immediately sent fire and it burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones. It scorched the ground everywhere around the altar and dried up every drop of water in the ditch. When the crowd saw what had happened, they all bowed down and shouted, The Lord is God! The Lord is God! Just then Elijah said, Grab the prophets of Baal! Don't let any of them get away! So the people captured the prophets and took them to the Kishon River, where Elijah killed every one of them. Sometimes when, when we go to church and, and start hearing stories, um, the preacher mentions, uh, as you know, uh, probably this is the first time some of you hear the story of Elijah. Um, and that's why I, I, I think that it's important to give some context to what you're talking so you have, we have the full, the full story. And um, when, when we think about the events that were going at the moment, God is a God of impossibles. He makes things that nobody thinks is possible a reality. There were, at that moment, I think three years 
of drought. There was no water. So can you imagine um, how people felt when this guy started asking to just throw water, uh, not only one time but three times until the trench was filled, that was full, and then everything um, just consumed down to down to the ground. Um, I heard some comments sometimes that why killing, and I want to make the small parenthesis in here, um, why killing those 450 people? Um, and in Deuteronomy 18.20 mentioned about a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. So that basically prompted uh, the decision of, of Elijah to, to go and, and uh, kill those prophets. But what happened then? Ahab told and uh, Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message, a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like, they ought that, like, like that one of one of them. Elijah was afraid. And sometimes, I think, we face and we see the hand of God working in our lives in situations that we can testify and we can see that he was there and we still run the other side when things comes when, when things that happens are, are becoming tough. The gods gives us experiences in which we can rely on when the going gets tough. And he basically was afraid heard of it, and run for his life. He um, came to Bersheba and left. He didn't stop there. He kept on running and left his servant. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and what? Then laid out again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. His strength by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. I am not, I'm not, I am not a doctor, but thanks to Google, <laughs> we can get a little bit of information about what is clinical depression. And when you start comparing the events that, are, that Elijah went through, some of them kind of match. 
one uh, thing that may, may happen is that in insomnia or hypersomnia, nearly every day, when you look at 1 Kings 19, 5 and 6, he, then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel told, he touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. What he did, he ate and drank, and then laid down again. Let me make clear, I mean, uh, for, for all the uh, youngs, youngsters here that like to sleep, you're not in depression, okay? That's, some, that's another thing that's going on. So don't tell mom, oh, I'm depressed. No, no. <laughs> Making that statement clear. <laughs> yeah, Gamal, thank you. Fatigue, tiredness, or loss of energy nearly every day, that's another symptom. 19.7 says that the angel came a second time and touched him and, told, and tell, told him, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Feeling of worthlessness or excessive or guilt, as, as well as recurrent thoughts of death, can be tied into First King 19.4, when he said, I have had enough, Lord, take my life, I am not better than my ancestors. Going back to our verse, he heard the voice of God telling, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The last thing that uh, happened after an earthquake came, then Elijah came out when he heard what? A gentle whisper. And a voice told him, what are you doing here, Elijah? We've been through, just recently, last year, Irma passed through us, and we experienced a hurricane. In Puerto Rico, and we've seen all the news, it was really, really hard. We've seen earthquakes around the world, and we know about fire, some of us more than others. Um, but one thing is that even though there, there were, there was those, those were events that Elijah was looking at, he could recognize that the Lord was not there. Um, While he was hiding in the cave, the God, God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he explained that he was uh, zealous for, for the Lord, that the Son of Israel has rejected him. I think that he gave all these excuses, if we can call it like that, because he bailed out of his job. He basically ran away from finishing the task that he had that he started by killing 
Baal, Baal prophets. Um, but I ask myself, myself, what will we answer when the God asks us, what are you doing here, Gamal? It, it, it is like that, that, that moment, it was like a phone call between your boss and you. Um, you've been in your office, your boss is just down the aisle and um, had a conversation. And he tells you, hey, I'll be there in a minute. Let's, let's meet outside. Basically the same thing. Um, Elijah received an order from God. Go out and stand by the, in the mountain on the presence of the Lord because the Lord is going to pass by. Three natural events of great proportion. A storm, you can call it a typhoon, a tornado. Call it the way you, you want to call it. But it was a, a big event associated with big speeds. The Lord was, was not there. Sometimes, um, we don't want to listen. We want to witness. Um, we want to see miracles. We want to see something physical that we can actually recognize as the Lord's uh, will. And there is a contrast between the event that Elijah went through here and the event of uh, him in, um, and, and the prophets of Baal. The 450 prophets were screaming, being loud. When, when I ask you this morning, and you say three amens, here I don't think we're more than, two, I don't know, 200 people. Can you imagine 450 people screaming out loud for a whole day? And at that moment, Elijah just spoke with God, talked to him, and the Lord delivered by uh, consuming the, the altar. Here, even after all the loud things, all that, those events, it was a gentle whisper that demonstrated the presence of the Lord. We can argue the following. You can, we can say, hey, but Elijah was a prophet. He was close to God. Of course he can listen to his voice. Or I can say, I am so far away from God that he will never talk in a way that I can listen. Yes, we can think about that. Going back to what we were talking earlier about hearing and listening. Hearing can be accidentally, involuntary, effortless, because you cannot control what, what the sound is bringing to you, um, unless you want to be isolated and plug your ears. Listening is, you need to be focused, voluntary, intentional. Let me tell you something. If our Lord wants to get our attention... He will make it. He will he'll make it through storms, through any way that he will grab it, 
And maybe we will be hearing that. But then it's the listening part, being focused, being uh, intentional, what will let us understand his will for us. Romans 12.2 tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this word, world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. No other way to learn and understand God's will for us that studying his word. John 10, 2-4 says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, was, he, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. No way to learn and to hear God's voice if we don't go to him in prayer and if we don't study his word. Um, the one thing that is Certain is that God never contradicts himself. So whatever you face and you're in doubt, if that is God wills for you, compare it. See what this is written here. And that will give you the tool to uh, define if it is something that contradicts his word, it's not from God. Um, so sometimes we get a little bit we think this is more complicated than it actually is Um, God wants us to understand him it's not rocket science if we go um, to him in prayer and we go through his word we will listen to hear his voice. Um, how many of you, when, when there is a crowd, probably more us than our, our parents, if you hear your kid's voice, you will recognize it. I think, I'll, I mean, I'm sure I'll do. Everyone. Because what? Because you know it. There's no other way. So regardless of the noise, you will be able to hear that gentle whisper from the Lord. This is a day of firsts. Let's let's this one be the first day that we um, consider going back to the Bible, going back to the principles, studying and understanding God's will for us. Let's put aside our interpretation of what is his will and just follow 
His commandments just follow what he wants for us. That is the only way that we will be getting away from divisions. That will be the only way that we will get united and make sure that we advance his cause for his soon return. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything you give to us. We thank you that from the beginning, you are willing to talk to us through different means. Please be in our hearts, allowing us to understand what you want for us. But more than that, be with us every step while we get closer to you. Now that we are leaving your house, be with us during the rest of the week so we can gather next week here to, hear, to, to, to be with you and hear your word again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.